everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of What a Beautiful Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. Uh, special, I guess, is a word you could call it. Hi. Hey, man. <laughs> Hi, I'm your other host. I'm your other host, Andy. And this is What a Beautiful Podcast, episode 139. We're going to do something really stupid this week. And if you listened last week, you, we told you that we were going to do this. And mm-hmm. we're going to do it. So, so my good friend Jack here, co-host of this show you're listening to right now, recently completed the seminal video game experience, uh, Kingdom Hearts the Third, and King- <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Three. I was it, trying to find another word for three, but you know what? Didn't happen. More like Kingdom Hearts Twelve, but Kingdom Hearts Three works too. What are what are names? Names don't may mean anything. Yeah, what, what was it talking about? Like the. the Everything's made up and the points don't matter. That's, yeah. That's so, kind of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I, so I, I kind of wanted to take this time at, to, at, to either the amusement or the, the horror. I, can't, I don't even know. What's the opposite of amusement? Uh, detriment? Uh, bemusement? <laughs> yeah, bemusement. If that's a real word, I'm going to take Jack's word for it. Uh, yeah, it's like, I guess you did that kind of an emotion. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, you know what it is. I mean, if you don't want to hear us blab about Kingdom Hearts... Uh, you can take a week off. We'll save you the hour. Uh, we are going to talk about our, our good uh, our good boy JoJo at the end of this episode, as we always do. Yeah. But uh, we're going to take some time to talk about Kingdom Hearts because I think it'll be fun to yeah, we'll see put a time how there if you just want to skip there. Yeah, see how confused Jack is and see if I can answer his questions. So here's the thing. Let's get right into it. And yeah. at the top of the show. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3, Kingdom Hearts spoilers in general. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. haven't played any, any, if there's anything about Kingdom Hearts that you want to play for yourself and don't want to have spoiled for you, catch you next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't, don't listen to this, because Kingdom Hearts 3 encompasses every single plot line that's ever happened in Kingdom yeah. Hearts, all coalescing into one big mess, so... Yeah, we'll, I'll probably be touching on a little bit of everything, so big spoilers for everything. Yeah, alright, so let's get right into it. Alright. Um, I have only played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 before this. I have come into contact mm, briefly with like other material, basically through cultural osmosis and my friends. Yeah. Um, so it's put me in an interesting spot where like I've heard all, all of these names, but I really don't know the context behind them. Yeah, I mean, it's um, especially weird considering that Kingdom Hearts 3, even though it, it, it 3 comes after 2, is actually the conclusion does. of a totally different story arc than what is concluded in Kingdom Hearts 2. So Kingdom Hearts 2 ends, and then Birth by Sleep starts like a whole other section of the story that uh, goes through Recoded and Dream Drop Distance, and then mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts 3 actually concludes that story. While also tying up stuff from one and two, but two kind of gives a conclusive ending to the to the kind of surface level events of the first game and the second game, and chain sure. memories. But uh, um, three, yeah, go ahead. So, is it fair to say there are groups of games that deal with like different parts of the storyline? Like, like you can group like two or three games together, and it deals with like the birth by sleep stuff or like organization stuff, or do you say like, it's all kind of jelloed together? It's all kind of jelloed together. I mean, uh, one chain of memories and two kind of make a loose trilogy in, Mm. in the sense that it is a sequential series of events up to the end. Okay. 
That's, and, yeah, that's but fair. Then, but then uh, 358 Days Over 2 kind of mucks up the works because that game takes place before, during, and after Chain of Memories. So. <laughs> yeah, so the main feeling I got in terms of like what I was missing out story-wise while Kingdom Hearts 3 was happening in front of me was like the Chain of Memories stuff because it felt like that was most of what um, was being like referred to that I didn't play. Um, yeah, I mean, Chain of Memories, you got the Castle Oblivion thing. Nominee. Which you see, yeah, Nominee, uh, the Replicas. So there's a lot of stuff. I mean, because, I mean, I think I've said this before, but low-key Chain of Memories is like the wildest uh, Kingdom Hearts game story-wise. Which yeah, is I've, hilarious I've because the, the actual gameplay is so lame. <laughs> Yeah, is that one they've also turned into a movie, or did they just remake no, that one? Well, there, no, because there was a PS2 remake of it. It yeah. was originally a Game Boy Advance game, which yeah. is why the battle system is the way it is, and it was very much tolerable on Game Boy Advance. Also, the Game Boy Advance version has really pretty sprite work, so I don't... I was about to say, like, I've seen uh, videos of that game in motion, and it looks pretty. Yeah, the GBA version of Chain of Memories fucking rules, and the PS2 version does not invalidate that version, at least I don't think. If mm. I just wanted to play Chain of Memories, I'd play the Game Boy Advance version, but the PS2 version has really good cutscenes. So oh, that, no shit. Yeah, so it ha- like all the story in Chain of Memories, like the Disney worlds don't matter. All the story takes place in between each floor of Castle Oblivion, and each floor has its own cut- set of cutscenes. Mo- ma- mainly focusing on the organization, and they're all really good. Like Axel is awesome in that game. Uh, oh, Marlu- Marluxia is a great, a great antagonist. Yeah, I he- got that feeling from like watching the uh, um, bits that before KH three that like you can select like the story so far. And I was like, yeah. all right, this chain of memory stuff looks pretty cool. Marluxia seems like a dickhole, but like in a yeah, Marluxia is a dickhole, and it's really like depressing because basically nominee is forced to delete all of Sora's memories of the people he loves and then replaces those memories with fake ones. Uh, basically, and basically wh- taking out his memories of Kyrie and then forcibly replacing the memories of Kyrie with her. And why, like why did the organization force her to do this? What was the purpose of it? Well, you know, the funny thing about all that is that gets explained in three, five, eight over two days. So let's lead right into there because I want to yeah. I want to set up like the stuff that is helpful to know before three and then the stuff that's good to know while three is happening. Yeah. So the whole thing you had Sora's memories and stuff is that basically the organization wanted to use Sora as a vessel for mm-hmm. something. Uh, their plan gets kind of ruined in Kingdom Hearts 2 and Chain of Memories. So it's not it, it's not really clear until later in the series what Xemnas wanted Sora for. But what happens is, is halfway through 358 Days Over 2, the organization mm-hmm. splits. So basically, Marluxia betrays the organization and takes a splinter group of members with him to Castle Oblivion, which is okay. their... Castle Oblivion is a, is a world that was discovered by the organization that they use to do experiments and things like that. So Marluxia basically creates a splinter group in the organization, and Axel is sent as a double agent. To basically uh, kill all the traitors following Xemnas' orders. And this whole time that mm-hmm. this happens, Roxas is working with the organization. And once Sora gets to Castle Oblivion, mm-hmm. he like basically goes into a coma. 
because Roxas's existence is very weird and doesn't follow the laws of the other nobodies because mm-hmm. he's a weird he's really weird and then there's also Shion mucking up the work so basically they're trying to use Sora's memories to create Shion mm-hmm. which they do which they do but it all gets fucked up because Namine is tampering with Sora's memories so basically Marluxia screws the whole thing up and so Shion gets fucked up and has mm-hmm. to die and then yeah. Roxas has to come face to face with the fact that he needs to he needs to rejoin with Sora, but he doesn't want to because he wants to stay with his friends. But he had to watch Shion die, and then he basically he basically fucking breaks and decides to betray the organization. Mm-hmm. Axel tries to stop him, doesn't work. But then him and Riku fight in the uh, in the world that never was, and Riku beats him up and takes mm-hmm. him back to Diz, aka Ansem the Wise. Mm-hmm. And then Ansem puts him in a computer simulation. So that he could stay there while Namine fixes Sora's memories and then Roxas can rejoin with Sora. Thus the opening of Kingdom Hearts 2 where you play as Roxas. So the, so the, the opening of KH2 is Roxas in that simulation, right? Yeah, and that's okay. why the DS game is called 358 Days because it's seven days short of a year. Because it's the 358 Days that lead up to the week that you play as Roxas in Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, okay. That's, that's clever. Yeah. That that that's why he named it that. It's not really that confusing, but a lot of people no. like to get on their high horse, even though it makes perfect sense in context. But and why is it over two? Two people. It's about oh. Roxas and Shion. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, because this is you know this is always my big thing when people like to bitch about like, oh, these games these are really stupid names. I'm like, yeah, but at least he like put some thought into it. Like he could have just yeah. called it Kingdom Hearts DS suck my dick edition like <laughs> he, he could have done the thing they did with early ds games and have the name like have the initials ds yeah exactly <laughs> it said he i mean he's always the more is always this extra and i i it's it's part of the charm so i don't know people need to shit or get off the pot with this stuff <laughs> in general yeah yeah um okay so i think i think that covers like the lead-in stuff that I was, like, a little shaky. Well, the, uh... I mean, did you understand what happened in Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance? Because that stuff's really important. I mean, Birth by Sleep uh, sets up Terra, Aqua, and Vin and introduces you to Master Xehanort. Yeah, I, I, like, a lot of osmosis there. Like, I understand the overall of uh, Birth by Sleep. Like, there were these three uh, apprentices to Xehanort before he's, like starting his evil plan even though he still no. looks like an evil man they were no? apprentices yeah. to ericus oh er- ericus sorry, sorry sorry yeah a terra uh is, is terra going to terra's the big dumb boy who, yeah, who uh falls under master xehanort's charms <laughs> right okay that's what i was thinking i was um he falls for that turn gets his body stolen by Xehanort becomes Terra Xehanort, which sets off a whole chain of events yeah. that reverberates through the entire series. Correct? Which ends up, yeah, which ends up creating Heartless Xehanort, aka Ansem and Xemnas, which is the heartless and nobody of Terranort. Yes, yes. Um, and Terra Terra Xehanort does he? He doesn't exist by himself in the series. It's always Xemnas and Ansem. Ansem. Yes. 
it's, okay. he exists up to the point where him where him and Brig uh, set off the chain of events that caused them to lose their hearts and split off into heartless and okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Aqua. Well, Ve- tell me what happens to Ventus in Birth by Sleep, because like when when we get to that, that whole bit was a little bit mushy for me in Cage Three. Oh, um, with with the scene with him and Venetus and Sora. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Ventus is definitely a bit of a fucking shoot. So uh, at the be- in the beginning of Birth by Sleep, you see Master Xehanort take Ven's comatose body to destiny islands to basically leave him to die mm-hmm. because what happened was ventus was the apprentice of master xehanort and ventus actually comes from the time of the keyblade war and explaining how he got from point a to point b is what the mobile game is trying to explain right now oh. and probably future entries as well so so ven has existed for a long time probably some time travel shenanigans really? wound huh. him up in the time of, of Master Xehanort. Mm-hmm. And so he's Master Xehanort's apprentice, and what Xehanort wants to do is use him to create the Keyblade, CHI, DX Blade, whatever you yeah, want to call it. Yeah, the Crossblade. Yeah, and he needs uh, Ven to basically give up to the darkness and because and, he sees a lot of potential in him. But Ven mm-hmm. is like a... He, he just doesn't want anything to do with it. Like, the Master like makes him fight a bunch of Heartless, and he almost gets killed... So the master basically Xehanort basically gives up on him and splits him into two beings. So one of pure light and one of pure darkness. And basically, the old Ventus is gone. The old Ventus from the Keyblade War and all his old memories no longer exists. What we have now really? is okay. New Ventus and Venetus. New Ventus has no memories, and Venetus is a being created from Ven's darkness that is under the control of Master Xehanort. Yes. That is, that much that much is communicated in KH three, so it's like, okay, yeah, solid so on that. So then, point. Xehanort mm-hmm. takes new new Ventus's comatose body to Destiny Islands to leave him there because Destiny Islands is where Master Xehanort is from. Which so you, ha, is there like? I want to say why is he from there, but it's the it's supposed is, to be a parallel with Riku. Because the whole oh, thing at the beginning of Kingdom okay. Hearts 1, Riku really wants to leave because he says... It's literally like he says, this world is way too small, I feel trapped, need to get out of here. And when they show you Xehanort's backstory, he says the same thing. He's sitting on the beach going, oh, this world is too small, blah, 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 blah. Oh, it's, okay. You know, it's a poem. It rhymes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. It's not going to be the first time I retch. It's or not going to be the last time. Okay. <laughs> and then Ventus on Destiny Island, like, his soul, like, goes into Sora. Is that well, correct? basically what happens is Sora is, like, a, is like a newborn at the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And basically Sora's heart is so powerful that it touches Ventus's broken heart and basically fills it in with Sora's own light and is able to save him. He, okay. he literally had a... Like, imagine his uh, heart in Kingdom Hearts is like a plate. Mm-hmm. Ventus's was, like, had a chip in it. Like, a mm-hmm. big part of it was gone. And Sora's power was able to fill it back in. So he was able to wake up and summon his Keyblade, which Master Xehanort didn't see coming. So he brought... But he was also, like, obviously not the same person that he was before. Yeah. So he brought new Ventus 
to Ericus to train with him. Gotcha. The Light Ventus. Or... Yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll call him Light Ventus. That makes more sense. And yeah. then, uh, but Ericus knew that Xehanort was, like, basically trying to recreate the end of the world for, for science. Just so, to see what would happen. Yeah, which, of course, is Xehanort's whole plan in the first place. But, uh, so Ericus was obviously not pleased about that. So he wanted, he was going to do everything in his power to keep Ventus on the land of departure and not not go to the outside world because he knew that as soon as he did, he would learn about his past and everything would go to shit. Which, funny mm. enough, is exactly what happened. <laughs> funny how that works. And that happens in KH3? No, that happens or- in Birth by Sleep. Birth by Sleep, okay. Yeah, He learns so about his path and things. Ven's, his, uh, Ven's story mode is all about him picking up the pieces of his past. Terra's story mode was all about uh, following around Master Xehanort. And Aqua's story mode is basically about her trying to wrangle her two idiot, <laughs> er, two idiot sons. <laughs> Aqua seems so put upon at all times. <laughs> like, these fucking idiots. Why? Uh-huh. Um... Yeah, I'm just going through this, seeing if I have... Like, what is the Land of Departure? Is it, like, purgatory? Like... Well, not really. It's just one of several... Okay, so... This is real abstract and is going to sound really stupid, but... In the Kingdom Hearts... Yeah, (laughs) like everything else. In the Kingdom Hearts universe, there is three quote-unquote realms. There's the Realm of Light that used to be one big world in -hmm. the time before the Keyblade War. Mm -hmm. And then... There is the realm of darkness, which is just hell, basically, and then there's the uh, the realm between, which is also called the twilight realm, where it's like certain worlds that exist outside the power of light and darkness that are usually there for a reason. So like Twilight Town is there, Traverse Town is there, uh, Land of Departure is there, and a couple mm. other worlds that they go to. So, so Land of Departure is there because it's basically exists to be a, a training ground for Keyblade wielders. Gotcha. Yeah. And the the different Disney worlds that you go to, that is the Land of Light. The yeah, world, that's the, the realm, realm of light. light. All the Disney worlds used to be one big world, but then they broke. Okay, because of yeah. the Keyblade Wars. Yes, Do we and... know like what happened during the Keyblade Wars, or we just know that it was really bad? Uh, well, you know m- most of what happened. So in in Kingdom Hearts Key, the mm-hmm. whole thing was is that the Master of Masters is a guy, he was this real eccentric lunatic who had seven apprentices, and he basically he gave each of his apprentices a union where younger Keyblade wielders would l- learn under them in mm-hmm. one of each of the unions. Yeah. And their goal was to gather light to help protect the world. At the time, it was the one world. And to make a long story short, the Master Mm -hmm. knew that there was going to be a war eventually, so he basically just left and told his apprentices to deal with it. And so the apprentices, the foretellers, wanted to do everything in their power to prevent it, even though the Master could see into the future and knew that it was set in stone. Mm -hmm. So, but because they tried so hard to prevent it, they ended up inadvertently causing it because there ended up being factions and infighting between the foretellers and war sure uh, long story short all the young kids started fighting each other and then they were trying to stop it but it just turned into a giant fucking clusterfuck and everyone died and the world broke <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Just a bunch of kids beating each other up with giant keys to death. The end. (laughs) man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And that's the soup in which the main games of Kingdom Hearts takes place. That is that is the primordial soup of Kingdom Hearts. Is the weird chibi people bashing each other over the head with giant keys until their brains explode. Yeah, because Key, uh, Kingdom Hearts Key, like, is the mobile game, the current yeah, mobile game? Sort of. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that right now. Yeah, no, that's fine. We, <laughs> yeah. don't need to, we don't need to get into the weeds more than we already are. Yeah, like, we're already it, deep, deep into the weeds. And okay. then, yeah, so, there's Birth by Sleep explained, there's the Keyblade War explained. Uh, Dream Drop Distance can basically be summed up as young Xehanort traveling through time. Uh, Sora and Riku taking being put through a mark of mastery exam, which is the exam that Aqua and Terra took in Birth by Sleep, mm-hmm. uh, to basically so that Yen Sid will recognize them as Keyblade Masters and they can learn some like super powerful magic. But young Xehanort is traveling through time, fucking with them basically. Yeah, and he almost takes he almost takes over Sora, and Riku has yeah. to go into Sora's heart to beat um, Aventus. Of uh, the Ventus, Vin- the Ventus yeah. nightmare. Yeah. So what happens is Sora basically loses to Zigbar and Young Xehanort, and is taken to be the thirteenth vessel mm-hmm. for for Master Xehanort. So all of the other the rest of organization organization thirteen travels through time to that point to meet with Master Xehanort, and Master Xehanort's ready to put a piece of his heart inside Sora until uh, Riku, Mickey, and Lee come in to save the day. And as a and, result of that, Sora fails the uh, Mark of Mastery exam. Yep, yep, because he let, him, he let himself... Yeah, because Riku, not only did he pass the exam, but he was able to dive into Sora's heart and defeat his innermost darkness and escape with his life. And Sora's. Okay. Yeah. And then the end of Dream Drop Distance is what leads directly into the beginning of KH3, correct? Yep. Okay. So, now we're at Kingdom Hearts 3. And now, yeah. is this all making sense so far? No, it is. Like, see, it's, it's really not that confusing. It's just a lot to remember. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's kind of like word salad, like proper noun word salad. Yeah, like, and you—that's the other thing. You also have to be ready to buy in to a lot of these fucking proper noun nonsense, which it's—it's it's a lot. It's yeah. definitely a lot. And if someone like doesn't want to like fuck with this, I'm not gonna hold it against him. It's like no, not at all. It's 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 one of it's a it's an acquired thing. I mean, like I don't know how I would think about all this if I haven't been playing these games since I was fucking twelve. So this is why your perspective is so interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. So let me start with the overview of what I thought of Cage Three. <laughs> okay. Go. For um. It. I feel like this is the one of it's. This is an over-engineered game, for better and for worse. What does over-engineered mean? (laughs) It means that it feels like so, so, so much work was put into it past the point that, like, it needed to be. Like, there's a lot there that felt kind of extraneous, like... To me. Like, this is literally... Like, all of this is just to me. Yeah. Because um, what I was playing it for 
was to feel cool doing the combat and for like the interesting like lore that was happening in between the Disney worlds. Like mm-hmm. after a point, like the, the Disney worlds like didn't interest me terribly because a uh, combination of like not really um like I've never seen Tangled, I've never seen Frozen. Like yeah. I the characters there don't do anything for me. Like it could have been a generic RPG people. Um, there could have been Final Fantasy characters, which would have been a sight for sore eyes after a point. Uh-huh. Um, and I just found myself wishing that, like, I could kind of fast forward through, like, the Disney stuff. Like, because um, the stuff that was in between those was really cool. And then the feeling of being shunted to, like, Arendelle or, uh, oh, God, I forget what the Frozen World's name is. Um, to that was kind of like Whiplash. Um, yeah. But I overall enjoyed like my playing with it. <laughs> There's a big gap between me like starting it and finishing it, and that gap can be called the uh, Labyrinth of Refrain Coven of Dusk gap. Because <laughs> uh, I could have played and finished KH3 twice in the time that I played that game. Oh I just got sucked in. Um, but like, it's like, this game is a technological marvel. Like no one, I don't think anyone has made a game that changes visual style so often and so well. Um, it like making the toy story one, the first world, like great, because I think that's the best world. And that's a shame because there's like five more. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Toy Story is probably my fa- my favorite. Yeah, from that game. Yeah, Toy yeah. Story's my favorite. Yeah, because yeah, it was the most fun to, like, move around in, the most fun to, like, look and see all the things. I knew all the characters. I liked all the characters. So that's where I stood on that. Um, Pirates, probably the second favorite, just because, like, man, they really hit that photorealistic button so hard. And it worked! It <laughs> It works. I can't believe that, like, yeah. Donald and Goofy, like, real-life ver didn't look terrifying. They kind of look terrifying, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Well, as terrifying, I mean, like, listen, anthropomorphic duck and dog are always going to look terrifying. <laughs> it, it's all about perspective. <laughs> yeah. But what I meant by, like, over-engineered, like, there was just, like, all of the the bits and bobs attached to it. Like, I had no interest in doing them like another person they might feel vital to the game like the different crafting all the different mini games you can do like the the extra stuff i guess that it didn't like some of that felt like it was getting in the way of me like getting through the game but again my perspective um and like once once you like the Disney worlds are done and you get to like the last six hours, that shit is some high octane. Like, oh yeah. I don't know what that, oh, that was the most yeah. fun I had with the game. Like since the, the toy story thing. Oh like, yeah. I mean, but that everything that happens after uh, big hero six world is my, like what am I, uh, I'm going to cherish that experience for the rest of my life. Like I was jaw on the floor. Yeah. The, like, really entire glad. time. I got yeah. to experience that with you. Because, um, <laughs> like, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the, the story, like, 
synopsis, and it's surprisingly short for the length of that game. Like, I think my playtime was, like, 30 hours, but... I, yeah, I mean, unlike most Kingdom Hearts games, Kingdom Hearts 3 is really straightforward. It's just, like, Sora needs, to, Sora needs to get tough because there's going to be a big fight at the end, and he's also going to save people along the way, and then mm-hmm. big fight happens. Yeah, no, like... I it's, mean, the, the devil's in the details, but that's, that's like, the plot outline right there. It's not totally. that complicated. No, and I appreciated that as someone that didn't have, like, all of the knowledge spinning around in my head. Like, I could just appreciate the story for what was going on moment to moment and not really have to um keep straight in my head like every single detail like remember uh was it Metal Gear Solid 4 that did this where like when someone would say like a proper noun you could hit a button and a cutscene would pop up with that yeah. proper noun in context <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I kind of wish that was here yeah, bit. I mean, the the glossary section does a really good job of explaining all the totally, terms plainly. Totally. Like, I was actually pretty surprised how well they were able to explain all that in the in the gummy phone. If you, yeah, did oh, you take a look at the glossary? Because it's I really did. well done. Yeah. I did. I, I flipped through it a little bit. Um, but, like, again, that's something that takes you out of, like, the moment-to-moment stuff. Like, the, the movement and the combat, which is what I was, like, enjoying. Like, I kind of didn't want to, like, take a... 10 minute break and like flip through the glossary to like get things straight that's on me i know that. yeah um but yeah like the story pretty much a straight line right yeah i mean it's pretty straightforward until you hit what is easily i think the craziest and probably my favorite part of the whole game is sora's existential nightmare <laughs> yeah let's do a little bit uh up to that point we'll talk about yeah, that and then we'll that, talk about that's... like that's Dude. some shit, man. <laughs> Talk yeah, about so basically, the ending. Disney happens, and then it's finally time to save Aqua. So yeah, that's like once I hit that point, I was like, okay, I'm way more invested in this now. Like, yeah, I, Mickey and Riku have been trying to get to Aqua for what feels like twenty hours. Yeah, um, they're there. They find her. She's pissed. Oh <laughs> right, yeah. So basically, she's so. been trapped alone in the realm of darkness for something like 10 years which is like god knows how long in realm of darkness time so ten thousand, who knows yeah who knows so basically she went off the deep end at one point and uh went crazy and hence anti-aqua which riku has to fight and he's getting his ass kicked but his uh his his guy pal sora comes out of the sky and saves him and then you have to fight anti-aqua press triangle to soar is great oh god incredible moment and then him and riku do their limit break together and that was such gratuitous fan service oh my god because that's from dream drop yeah that's from that's the limit break from dream drop distance like such gratuitous fan service (laughs) because soar was able to get to the land of darkness because he picked up Master Erikus's uh, keyblade on yeah. Destiny Island. Mm-hmm. And how which, did, funny enough, how funny did I enough, get there? Uh, hmm. Good question. I never really thought. I never really thought about it. Because <laughs> he just finds it on the beach, right? Yeah, there's probably some little detail that explains it, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But what's funny though is that that scene of Sora picking up Master Erikus's keyblade off the beach is like the first thing that was ever shown off for this game even really? back when it was being made in the fucking luminous engine in like 2013 
Like, it was the first trailer or teaser, whatever you want to call it, for KS3. Sort of finding, what, like, whatever the name of this Keyblade... Or isn't it yeah. Nameless? No, this is No, it's, it's... No, yeah. Xehanort's Keyblade is no name. Uh, I forget what Erica's Keyblade is called. Master something. But, yeah. Master so not Keeper. only Yeah, Master Keeper. So, the first ever trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3 is Sora on the beach in his Kingdom Hearts 2 clothes, picking up Master Erica's Keyblade off the beach and staring at Damn. it. Damn. Like, that's how deep that goes. And it's really weird looking at those old trailers when it was still being made with Square mm-hmm. Enix's in-house engine because it looks so different. <laughs> Does it look bad? It looks more anime. Whereas oh. Unreal... and It was, like, a bit glossier. Whereas how the Unreal Engine version looks is a lot more detailed and a lot... Uh, Matte? I mean... The, yeah, matte is a good word for it. I think the Unreal Engine looks way better. Okay, but, uh, no. The like... look... Yeah, and also, it's hard to judge, though, because those trailers were so early in development. Like, they hadn't even settled on what engine they were using yet, so who, who fucking knows what would have been. Yeah, the wiki just says the Master's Defender ends up on the shore of the Destiny Islands where Sora finds it. <laughs> so, shrug? Yeah, <laughs> Capital right, we'll, shrug. We'll, we'll just move on from that. Um, but yeah, he, he and Riku defeat, uh, Anti-Aqua, uh, Aqua, well, purge her of the darkness, and yep. then they go to the land of departure to pick up Ven. Well, first, they have to go to Castle Oblivion, because at the end of Birth by Sleep, Aqua uses Master Ericus's Keyblade transform Land of Departure into Castle Oblivion, which is oh. why Ven is there. Okay, so the Ven in the big chair, that's Castle Oblivion? Yeah, but then okay. she she uses the Keyblade to turn Castle Oblivion back into Land of Departure. And that's why oh. that the or- that's why Xemnas sent the organization there. Because he mm-hmm. didn't know why, but he felt like it was important. Because he doesn't have his memories from when he was Terra. But Xemnas still had this thing where he knew it was important. So he sent his boys there. Okay. And then yeah. that's where you fight Vanitas as well, right? Yeah, because Vanita shows up to stop you from getting Ven back. And then you get Ven back. It's a good reunion. Like, yep. that was a cool scene. Um, Everybody in Yensen's tower was awesome. <laughs> oh, is, just, that, is just, right after that, like, the squad? Yeah, yeah well, just seeing uh, Ven and Axel acknowledge each other was a big moment. Because they, uh, they did have a really good scene together in Birth by Sleep. But Axel was, like, a wee lad. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Axel, uh, speaking for the audience in that scene, was like, I can't remember all these names. Who <laughs> yeah. are these people? How am I going to explain to Roxas why this other kid, who's also my friend, looks exactly like him? <laughs> yeah, I li- I appreciated that a lot. Like, the yeah. character acting in this is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's always been. Like, the the voice acting and, anim- and animation on the character models in Kingdom Hearts has been, like, stellar from day one. Like, yeah, they just, I, like, knocked it out of the it. park. Yeah. And then they go to the Keyblade Graveyard, right? They do the big swarm of Heartless. Uh, yep. And then Terranort shows up and kicks yeah. their asses really, really bad. So, yeah, like, he fucking... They all die, right? They, he kills all of them. Yeah, Every like, single one. Starting with Ven. He fucking... He fucking bum-rushes Ven right out the gate. He's gone. And then Aqua goes, and then Mickey, and then Donald, and then this is the thing oh, yeah. where Donald does fucking Zeta Flare. That's and it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, fucking insane. 
Like this duck cast the, cast the most powerful spell in like Final Fantasy ever, right? That's, yeah, that's like what that ma- is. master level black magic. Like, <laughs> where are you keeping that, Donald? Under your hat? Oh my god! That so, was so he basically cool. shoots Terranort with this giant fucking laser beam, and the power is so overwhelming that it kills Donald Duck. F. Yeah, because <laughs> um, they're they don't really say like. They kind of dance around the fact that everyone's dead. They just say like, "You gotta get their hearts back." Like, well, yeah, because not in that Kingdom their Hearts is in the dirt. Yeah, exactly. So basically, what happens is everybody dies. Uh, Riku tries to save Sora, but he dies, and then Sora finally bites it. And then you get the black screen that says, uh, basically says, "Game over." Uh, and Zane then, and shit then gets wild. <laughs> yeah. So this is when Sora's existential nightmare begins. So basically, Sora world. wakes up in the afterlife, and yeah, yeah, it's called the final word. But Namora doesn't mince words about it. It is, in fact, the afterlife. Uh, and that's where Sora meets uh, our little friend named Chirithi. Chirithi's so cute. God, oh, my God. Chirithi love, love that guy. But uh, so, funny enough, so the whole thing with Chirithi is that the Chirithi is a creation of the Master of Masters. He's a Dream Eater. Mm-hmm. And Dream Eaters are heavily featured in Dream Drop Distance. They're basically yes. just, like, little spirits that that's, protect uh, you. Meow Wow? Is that yeah. another Dream Eater? Yeah. So, every Keyblade wielder during the time of the Keyblade War had their own Chirithi. And this Chirithi in particular was original Ventus's Chirithi. Before the split. Before the split, yep. Okay, that's why so, he was saying, like, my, my master, like, forgot about me. I don't, it doesn't, it's not worth it for me to go back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, basically, Chirithi tells Sora that he fucking died, and all of his friends did too, and if he has any hope of fixing it and saving anything, everybody, he needs to basically fix himself from the inside, from like, I guess from like the outside in, you could say it is. He needs to, he needs to piece himself back together in a very metaphysical sense. Also a very literal sense, because this is a giant MC Escher nightmare that you can like swivel around, um... Where hundreds of sores are just doing activities. All, all of his different animation cycles. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. And it's funny because that's a real easy... I guess that was like a real easy thing for them to do, but it was so effective at portraying how fucking weird the whole thing was. Yeah, it was totally unexpected and it worked beautifully for me. Like, yeah. this part of the game like got, got, me, got me good. Yeah, um, I really didn't see it coming and... The whole thing when you talk to the stars and, like, the all the different stars are basically tell you how they died. Or, like, there was one where it's like, oh, I can't find my dad. I guess the Heartless was attacking their world or something. And yeah. It's like, it was, like, really dark, man. Like, really weird. It was cool. Um, so Sora does that because he's helped by Kyrie, right? Like, Kyrie cares so much for him that her heart's calling out to him. And that's why he's not yeah, just, so like, basically, dead, dead. He pieces himself back together and then goes and pulls his other friends who are also in the afterlife out of the abyss with him mm-hmm. by defeating this lich heartless a bunch of times. Yeah. The that, fucking that part, Yeah, that part was just like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Because, like, it, it, that felt like padding to me. Like, I could have done that once. I didn't need to do it seven times. But, again, 
on well it, it it had uh it reminded me of the first game at the end of the in the last world of the first game you have to fight do a bunch of mob fights and little vignettes from each world so they oh, kind of really? did the same they kind of did the same thing with this yeah okay mm-hmm. so kind of like again poetry it rhymes yeah it um, rhymes. <laughs> And then after that happens, I was real confused because it took me a second to realize that they time-traveled. Oh, yeah. So they basically just created a time loop. Uh, well, Sora and Chirithi did, at least. So once Sora pieced himself back together and saved all his friends, uh, Chirithi basically sent him back in time and let him redo the whole thing. Except this time, he spoke to Naminé in the afterlife, and Naminé said that she was going to reach out to Terra. So... Guess who shows up to save the day? Mm, lingering Will. Which was my second favorite moment in the entire game. I, I, I fucking marked out so hard. So hard. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I knew about Lingering Will and what it was before playing this game, because I yeah. heard people talking about it, so I, I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. And, um... The he comes big... out, he does the Keyblade Whip, he does the Bazooka. The he Bazooka does the... was dope. Oh my god. Which is funny, because uh, Lingering Will's uh, attacks from Kingdom Hearts 2 is what inspired the Keyblade transformations in 3. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that cool. was like, that was the in-canon, like, OG version of the Keyblade transformations. Mmm. That's neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that was just another real good piece of fan service. And then an, another absolutely just like jaw dropping scene happens almost right after this when you're fighting the Heartless Tornado. And all of a sudden, the Keyblade wielders from the Keyblade War come to give Sora a hand. And the music swells, and you're riding on a bunch of Keyblades, that, and it turns into a shmup section. Oh my Imagine god. Imagine triangle as fast as you can, seeing all yep. the different names who are real people who yep, play who won who, a contest. <laughs> yeah, in the mobile in one of the mobile games, right? Yeah. That, like The whole they, thing was that they just said that if you win this contest, a thousand people will get their names in Kingdom Hearts three. They didn't say how or why. So everybody was like, the fuck does this mean? Are they just gonna like throw people's names in the credits or something? No. They did the best dope. they did the coolest possible thing they could have done with that. <laughs> oh man and then we have another really great uh revelation with the uh, xehanort's guardian <laughs> yeah so now it's time to finally actually start the the recreation of the keyblade war so you go off to fight all the different organization members mm-hmm. so let's say and you can actually do this in whatever order you want so let's say you start out by fighting uh terranort venetus and who was the third one or maybe it was just terranort and venetus maybe yeah. Was it? I have trouble remembering the different, like, gangs' weeds. Yeah, alright. So, that's the thing was Terra Norton Vinitas. So, you beat Vinitas, and then Vinitas is basically just him and Sora and Ven try to basically uh, redeem Vinitas, and Vinitas says, nah. Nah, I'm good. I'll die <laughs> yeah. dark. See you yeah, guys I'm later. Yeah, I'm good just the way I am. Fuck y'all. Uh, which Walk is. Backwards into hell. <laughs> beautifully in character. Loved it. Yeah, no, like, no kind of uh, face turn there. That was all just, like, I'm satisfied with who I am. I'm going to die like this. Smell you later. Yep. So that was real great. And then when you beat Terranort, a a long, 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 long long-standing fan theory was confirmed 
that uh, Xehanort's guardian, the Heartless that stands beside him and Ansem and Terranort, mm-hmm. is in fact Terra's heart manifested as a, like, a demon thing. Yeah. And he's and able it... to break free, and it was... Oh, wow. That was satisfying. And that his was voice so comes out, sad. and it's like yep. a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, and that, he... that was fucking amazing. That, like, I felt that one. Yep. Um, I'm just going so, through this, seeing what else Yeah, happens. you fight the other coons, so you fight uh, a Dark Riku, which was pretty neat. I Is really that a liked... replica? Is that replica Well, he Riku? was in a replica, but it was actually a Riku from Kingdom Hearts 1, time-traveling into the future. Okay. But... But they're all replicas, so the way they do time travel is by sending their heart forward in time and having a replica in the present to put their heart into. Yeah, the replicas are real important at this stage in the game. Yeah, really important, which I, I didn't see coming, because I just felt like that was like an old plot point. But uh, there's no such thing as old forgotten plot points. It's the, the, There ain't no wall eyes in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, God. <laughs> Every, everything comes back. <laughs> there isn't no flashback, man. In this. Yeah. Um, so you beat all the organization members. Uh, you get Terra back. Um, Shion is back because she got uh, remembered. Is that right? Basically, yeah. Because the whole thing is that when she died in days, because she was technically not a real person, it's, again, this is all real metaphysical. But yeah, yeah, yeah. All the characters basically forget that she ever existed. And then, but because that Axel remembered her, she came back. Got it. And she yep. used a replica body. She's real now. She helps you fight. Yeah. Her. Yep. Um, and Roxas comes back, and that was amazing. Yeah. God, that was amazing. <laughs> to protect Lee and Shion. Yep, and he um, comes back, and there's no sad boy Roxas. He's just back, and he's in he's in sicko mode. <laughs> full sicko mode. And then Xanhort uh, kills Kyrie. <laughs> Right? Well, this happened. This hasn't happened yet. We got to do the uh, triple triple Nort Court first, which has uh, two really good scenes in it in the triple Nort Court. Right, so fight, right, right. You fight Ansem, Zemnis, and Young Xehanort all at the same time. So when you beat Young Xehanort, he basically just tells you to go fuck yourself and disappears back mm-hmm. to his own time because he's a little shit. Yeah, but, he just uh, goes back to the his and Erica's time. Yeah, and then you when you beat Ansem. This is such a good scene. Ansem is the original antagonist from the first Kingdom Hearts, and he has made an appearance in pretty much every game mm-hmm. up to this point. And him and Riku have had a big series-spanning character arc together as yeah. like as a, a, a protagonist and antagonist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just like that moment was so good, where he basically realizes that he was screwed, and he realizes that the whole thing was a sham. Because he is, like, part of Xehanort, but he but they all have their own personalities. They're so not even beholden they, to Xehanort. They're not beholden to the old man. Just because they're part of him doesn't mean that they are him. So Ansem was still, is still able to think for himself and realize that this whole thing was doomed from the start. And he basically tells Sora and Riku, like, it's been, it's been cool uh, seeing hell. And yeah. I, got, I got really emotional in that scene when he's he basically looks at the camera and tells you to move on with your life yeah it's it's, like finish this shit i'm done yep so that Uh, that really got to me and then you meet zemnis and then zemnis is death scene 
uh, Sora's just like, don't you, like, care about anything? Like, you have emotions now. And he's like... And then Xemnas is basically like, yeah, but I didn't have emotions for years. And then the first one I feel when I got my heart back was loneliness. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. He's like, man, I took my friends for granted. And then dies. <laughs> <laughs> like... It, it gives you really good resolution with, like, all these ones. Like, and, yeah, like, good... even, like, Marluxia and Larxene and Zigbar killed himself. And everybody get, everybody either gets redeemed or gets a good resolution. It's, uh, it, all of those cutscenes were really, really good. What happened to the card, man? <laughs> I forget. Oh, Luxord? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, basically, Luxord was one of the ones that was already, like, seeing through all the bullshit and was just doing it because he had nothing better to do. Sure. And as then, one does. Yeah. And he had like, a, had, like, a respect for Sora. So after Sora beats him, he's like, hey, if I make it back in the next life, let's just play a game of cards together. And Sora's and, like, that sounds great. And then he just, like, dissolves, right? Yeah. Okay. So I liked I liked that a lot too. That was good. Um, let's see, let's see. And then Kyrie eats it, right? Yeah. So basically, all the rest of the organization is dead except for Xehanort. So to complete the complete the Keyblade War, he needs uh, one more person has to die. So he kills Kyrie just because. Bleh. And just then because. Th- that gets him the the Keyblade, the Crossblade. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, it forms the Keyblade. What is and Kingdom Kyrie, Hearts? Ky- Kyrie <laughs> continues to not matter. What is Kingdom Hearts? Loaded question. <laughs> like, sorry the the giant heart in the sky. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. The gi- so for the, re- the for the, the listeners entity, at home, the entity of Kingdom Hearts within the series Kingdom Hearts is basically the source of all light and all darkness in the universe. They call Both. it the heart of all worlds. Okay, it's like. It's it's where everything comes from. Gotcha. Like so, it's it's like a god, but it's an inanimate object. It's not really a deity. It's just kind of a, a it just cosmic, a cosmic entity, sort of. Okay, and it's a source of like unlimited power, and that's yeah, why because wants all to get the to the it. world comes from it. Uh, people people come from it. People's hearts come from it. Light, darkness, everything, everything comes from it. And, and Xehanort wants to use it to basically reboot the world and using the power of kingdom hearts uh donald goofy sora they send xehanort back to scala ad caleb yeah is that that how they do it yeah so well because xehanort is like this is also kind of confusing so doing all the time travel shenanigans of the organization Mm -hmm. master xehanort basically existed in like a flux of space and time Mm -hmm. like he wasn't in one place or the other he was kind of everywhere so mm-hmm. Mickey was able to recognize this and say, "All right, let's use uh, let's use Deus Ex Machina magic to send Master Xehanort back in time, and we can fight him there instead of here, while the rest of us are sealing Kingdom Hearts." Okay, because like trapping him there, he's not able to go anywhere because you've kind of like collapsed his waveform down into one. Yeah, spot. basically, which is why the rest of the gang is with him there. The rest of his his clones. Yeah, because they, they've kind of just, like, all coalesced there. Yeah, um, they basically just exist as pure darkness in a weird space-time fracture that is Skala Ad Kylum. Because Skala Ad Kylum is so ancient 
Well, it's not as ancient as the Keyblade War because, fun fact, uh, mm-hmm. the main the main town from uh, the mobile game Daybreak Town, where all the Keyblade wielders live. Yeah. During the underwater fight scene in Skylight Kylum, you see buildings from Daybreak Town underwater. No way. Yeah. That's cool. Uh-huh. Oh man. So it's it's ancient, but it's not as ancient as the Keyblade War, which is very interesting. I'm sure more will come of that in the future. So basically, oh. you go there, and you finally, finally fight the old man himself. But first, he needs to get his weird, creepy goat Horse armor. armor on. <laughs> Beazel Nort. Oh, that, that was cool. Uh, yeah. That fight goes on for a bit. You kick his ass in Scalad Calum, uh, then jumps forward in time back to where everyone else was they've sealed kingdom hearts at this point correct yeah well no the, every, yeah not they yet. seal kingdom hearts and then they all come back in time to where sora and xehanort are yes yeah. sora has beaten xehanort at this point and then basically what happens is sora and xehanort hash it out and then uh ericus reveals himself to have been basically living within terra since his quote-unquote death and comes out to basically convince xehanort to give up just and then like, in a chill. big twist that i didn't see coming he just kind of does he just kind of gives up he's like all right <laughs> sure and he gives he gives sora the keyblade and him and ericus become one with the force i really like how that went down i think that's way more interesting and way more on brand for kingdom hearts than like just sora beating him up to death the, yeah, like kill it. Like Sora killing Xehanort would have been real weird. Yeah, so you know what? A lot of people joke about like all kinds of like shonen anime and stuff like this. It's all it's all about the power of friendship. But no other story I've ever seen lean like actually goes all in on the power of friendship like Kingdom Hearts does. Cause because the whole thing, like the friendship between Ericus and Xehanort, like that's that's been the thread running throughout this. You've seen them, like, the flashbacks to them playing chess and, like, yeah. the uh, reverberations it has within the games. Um, yeah. Everything, like, it always goes back to the power of friendship. And that that friendship, like, they leave for the afterlife together. I forget, yeah. do they turn into their young forms as they're fading away? Or was, Yeah, they mad? do. Okay, okay, I was trying to remember. Um, and then... They use the keyblade to close Kingdom Hearts. It's it's cool, and yep. then, the whole, then yeah, Sora it, has to do a thing. <laughs> yeah, so Sora decides that he now that his work is done, in in a very uh, Frodo Baggins move, he leaves his friends behind to go take care of his unfinished business, which is to find Kyrie's heart wherever it is. Yeah. And yeah. something we haven't super talked about, the power of waking. Um, the whole yeah, that's bit. what Sora's whole mission, that's what Dream Drop Distance was all about. Them trying to understand what this power of waking even is. And basically what it is, it's the ability to follow the light of another person's heart to wherever they are and, and save them but from the darkness. But if you use it too much, it dilutes your own heart and you're at risk of losing yourself. Is that a good way to yep. put that? Okay. That's the best way to put it, because that's exactly what happens. And so this, the scene on Destiny Islands, all the squads are here just chilling. It's beach time. And yep. then it slowly pans over to Kyrie and Sora sitting on a tree. 
and as it pans, Sora slowly dissolves. Showing and Kyrie that, doesn't. Showing that he brought her back, but in the process lost himself. Yep. And that is a, such a good ending for this. Yeah. Like, I loved it. Sora, I loved it. Sora betting everything uh, to save like his friends at the cost of himself and that that's his entire character though like that's a, yeah that's like, everything that he's ever done ever like it, it's I, like i'm able the to only get that way from it. yeah like he's he's reckless to a fault but he loves his friends so much that he'll do anything including like becoming nothing yeah he becomes infinity he and he's lost to the universe and that's it that like do we want to talk about the like the secret ending and like the the epilogue epilogue? yeah all right we'll touch on the epilogue real quick so yeah so i was lost through all of this because this is this is inside baseball yeah so what namora refers to the dark seeker saga which has been every game except for the mobile game up to this point is over Mm -hmm. after xehanort goes into goes into heaven yeah and and the epilogue begins the next major arc, which will happen probably one day. So yeah, yeah. So basically, the next major arc of Kingdom Hearts is already started. It's the mobile game is the the ground zero for the whole new major storyline. What's being referred to as the Lost Masters saga, and the Lost Masters refer to the Master of Masters apprentices. And himself as well. The These are the foretellers? Yeah. Okay. So basically, you see at the end, at the post credit scene, you see Xehanort's Keyblade go flying and landing in the middle of the desert, and a man in a black coat goes and grabs it, claiming that it belongs to him. Mm-hmm. And then the foretellers appear, talking to him, calling him by his name, Lushu, who Lushu was one of the apprentices but didn't have his own union. He had a special task given to him by the master. But nobody except Master Ava knows what his role was. And it's a big mystery. The players don't know. Nobody knows. And so basically, uh, he reveals himself to be Zigbar. <laughs> That's, that was really something. Yeah. Because Zigbar, so, before now, to me, was just like one of the more like uh, defined uh organization 13 just because he always felt like some divorced dad is smoking like outside 7-eleven but he had a couple guns and it was just like yeah i'll do this who cares yeah shoot some kids ever since he debuted in kingdom hearts 2 there's always been something about him that didn't seem right and seemed like there was more to him than he was letting on and turns out there sure fucking was (laughs) god damn uh yeah so the whole thing is that lushu has had it exist his role was to take the Master of Masters Keyblade into the future. Because mm-hmm. the thing about that Keyblade is that it has it has an eye in it. And that eye is literally the Master of Masters eye. Mm-hmm. And by passing that Keyblade down from generation to generation, anywhere that eye goes, the Master can see in the past. Which is how oh. he was able to know the future. And because in the movie, uh, Kingdom Hearts Key back cover that was on the 2.8 disc. Yeah. Uh, the ma- master gives Lushu his role and Lushu's really confused, but the master's like, well, the book of prophecy exists, right? And I know what's going to happen. So guess what? You did it. Congratulations. 
you accomplished your mission, and it just confused him even more. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so basically, Lucio needed to continue existing for thousands of years into the future, just carrying this keyblade with him and passing it down to his apprentice and their apprentice. So Lucio basically... So you know what Xehanort, Master Xehanort did to Terra? He yeah. basically had to do that to a bunch of different people as he yeah. would get older. He had to jump and just and jump. go from body to body. And the last body he got was a guy named Bregg, who was one of Ansem the Wise's apprentices. Huh. And that's why Bregg is working with Xehanort in Birth by Sleep, and that's why he's so important to this whole thing, because Bregg was the last body that Lushu took over. He, just waiting for the person, the right person, to have that Keyblade and to want to recreate the Keyblade War, which was Xamarin. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and there's also this black box that no one knows what it's in, but Pete and Maleficent, that's another thing. Like, I wanted, I wanted that to resolve because I was so excited to see them all the time. And I was oh, like, yeah. come on. Come on. Yeah, the black box is another part of Lucius' role, that he had to take the box with him, but never open it. But the master did tell Lushu what was in it, but we don't know what's in it. Okay. Odds are it's just going to be the master's heart or something like that. Because the whole thing is that after the Keyblade War is over and Lushu fulfills his role, the next part of the Book of Prophecies says that the master will return. Okay. Yeah. And then. So if you haven't watched the Kingdom Hearts Key back cover movie, you really should, everyone listening, because the master of masters is such a good character. The, his voice actor Ray Chase did such a good job, amazing. Yeah, yeah I kind of want to watch that. Yeah. Um, and then there's the secret ending. We don't have to really get into that because it's like, no, it's like every Kingdom Hearts secret ending. It's a lot of like, it's a lot of confusing imagery, and it, there's really nothing really to make sense of it yet. Other than there's there's a lot of big hints in it that that lead you to believe that Kingdom Hearts is going to do a big crossover with the world ends with you. And Final Fantasy Versus 13, a game that never came out. So, <laughs> yeah. No more loves his toys. Yeah, so the big thing is that the secret ending shows Sora and Riku in Shibuya, but with a couple of tells in that you see in the city, it is specifically Shibuya as it appears in The World Ends With You. And the World Ends With You characters have already been in Kingdom Hearts. So Yeah, that I never knew, and I was so confused. Yeah, so... That is a thing. And then you, there's a part where you hear the the theme music of Final Fantasy XV played on piano, which just blew my fucking mind right out the side of my head. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, if this is some pipe dream, Namor is just, like, setting up for himself, or, like, is it ever going to be resolved? Who knows? And, like... All, all along for the ride, basically. Yeah, exactly. I will never get off Nemora's Wild Ride. And a lot of people are really pissed off about this game, but I don't know. No, I You, you I can be pissed it. off all you want, or you can just, like, shut up and just sit on the ride like the rest of us. It's yeah. always been nonsense. It's always been stupid. But, God damn it, it's enthralling. It's, it's absolutely fucking enthralling in all of its ins- insanity. That, and that's a great place to, like, cap that, I think. Yeah. Because we just yeah, talked yeah, about that's... Kingdom Hearts for an hour. We could talk I, more. I, I, I could talk about it for two hours. But oh, yeah, easily. so 
that's that's Kingdom Hearts three. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jack. It was a really, really uh, amazing experience for me to see all that finally come to an end and seeing what's gonna come next. So, yeah, yeah I, it's I, just one of those things that's always gonna be with me. I don't care how dumb it is. No, it like in like enjoy it, and yeah, it felt it was cool to me to like touch this history and feel the weight of like everyone's desires for it in a weird way yeah yeah like just the amount of like it it was palpable you could you could taste how much people wanted this game (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's that that does it for the like our kh3 like whole bit like it feels good to get that all out there yeah otherwise we would have been like talking about it for bits and pieces over the course of a bunch of episodes might as well just yeah empty the tank get it out there so i hope you guys enjoyed that and if you guys have any thoughts about uh bits and pieces of the kingdom Hearts story be sure to tweet us about it i'd be i'd be happy even if you have any questions i'd be happy to answer your questions yeah i'm a bit of of a tome of knowledge at this point (laughs) at jojo underscore cast so let me know yeah, let's wrap this up with uh, talking about a real sad episode. Ah, I was avoiding, I was avoiding this. I never wanted to get to this part. Yeah, again, <laughs> like special spoilers for this episode. But yeah, getting right into it. End of the Metallica fight. Um, Risotto perforated by Aerosmith tries one final gambit to uh, get the boss shot. And ends up like further just killing himself, mm-hmm. um, and the boys, the the Jorno's uh, squad of idiots, uh, come onto this scene, or yeah, they they get to Risotto's body, right? Yeah, yeah, and they all see it and they're like, "What the fuck happened here?" And mm-hmm. Bukalati, a smart man, um, sees Risotto's severed foot and was like. No, oh, something ain't right here. You yeah. see this foot? This foot's really weird. Oh, well, yeah, because Narancha shot him up to hell with Aerosmith. So Narancha's like, oh, it's fine. I just killed him. But Bukalati's like, I don't know. Did your bullets do that? <laughs> Are your bullets... Can your bullets cut off a foot? Does your plane shoot knives? Exactly. Um, and no, they can't. And they're like, oh, shit. Someone else was here. <laughs> oh, yep. boy. Um, so they kind of scatter to like look around. Uh, Giorno and Bucalati, I uh, think they see someone behind the rock. Bucalati cuts it in half to reveal, oh shit, that's one of the kids playing soccer, but his mouth has been sewn shut and he's been drained of blood. Mouth sewn shut with his own shoelaces. Yep. That, Yikes! That, that didn't uh, feel like nothing. Just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna assume that Jorno fixed him up. They don't really show it, but I'll just uh... yeah, it gave him that blood back. He turned some yeah. water into blood. Um, <laughs> I missed that detail, like in reading. I didn't realize Dapio, the boss, just sucked the blood right out of this boy. Yeah, that's not how getting iron back. Oh, whatever, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's it JoJo. does not matter. <laughs> yeah, um, and the cool part is, you see Dapio, the boss, like playing soccer with the kids because you can see his sweater, you can see his hair. Yep. Um, all during the scene, and then the kids get the ball stuck in the tree. Uh, Abaccio, like, heart of gold that he still has under all that grime, goes over and is like, all right, I'll get this ball for you, you shit kids. And you see that little smile on his face, and then everything gets ugly. 
But yeah. The animation does a real cool thing where it looks like it's been kind of stretched and artifacted almost. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And King Crimson comes right out. It's so quick. It's so quick. And Abaccio is just gutted like a fish. Yep. It's uh, it's the boss's favorite move, punching a guy through the square through the center of their chest. It's effective. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one out of two times it works. Yeah, one out of two, yeah it didn't exactly. Uh, well, it did technically kill Bucalati. That was another thing. Bucalati sweats and bleeds in this episode, and I feel like that's just an oversight. Is it an oversight? Because I... I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. know. I'm going to put that know. in the bucket of it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, having some... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, and the Naranchas screaming to Jorno, like, bring him back, bring him back. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. The anime made this scene really fucking Whoa. devastating. Like, Narancha loses his goddamn mind. Jorno doesn't know what to do about it. Bucalati is just dumbfounded. Like, all, it- all the emotions flying around. Insane. Yeah, they saved up their budget a lot for this episode. Uh, um, and then it cuts to <laughs> the land of departure, I guess. Um, or the final world, where yeah. <laughs> Ab- Abaccio is uh, sipping some coffee, and he find, he sees a policeman under the table putting together some clues. And th- I-, I like that it was grayscale. I like that it didn't have color. Yep. Like, that was, in, that was a good touch. Um... And he slowly realizes that he is in fact dead, and that he cannot go back, and he can only go forward. And it's beautiful, um, incredibly like well, like the character animation is fantastic, and the the actual like scene like I don't think there's any animation with it, but like the big cloud of Baccio stretching over the entire landscape of Sardinia, like. Mm. Yeah, it was it was really good, and you know it's just when you think about it, it there was just Abaccio has to die for the story to work, because like it, with the with the boss on the island and them on the island, and the boss knows what Abaccio's power is, and he knows what they're trying to do. There was there was just no way about poor Abaccio was making it out of this alive. Yeah, if any of the boys were gonna die at this point in the story, it was gonna be Abaccio. Um, yeah, because it, if the boss's entire mission in life is to preserve his identity, the, pride, the the most dangerous stand to him is Moody Blues. 100%. But still, yeah. <laughs> Avacio manages to fuck him because right before he dies, he smashes Moody Blues' face. One last big fuck you. Yeah, uh, talk about walking backwards yeah. into hell, little <laughs> fingers raised. Like, fuck yep. you. <laughs> um... And they can see the boss's face. They can make a sculpture of it, and um, it looks like Dapio. And they yep. know they know what the boss looks like. And that comes. Uh, that's a big plot point because Dapio can only show himself now uh, once Bucalati is blind. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Oh yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there, and then it just ends, and then. Now I think it's Green Day and Oasis, right? I think we did everything else. Is that next? I I think. I'll check, All right. I'll check Mangadex real quick just to make sure. All right. Because, like, 
all the pieces are set up for the final, well, final-ish showdown. Yeah, I mean, we're on our way out. We still got, like, 11 episodes. Wild. Um... Okay, so we're going to have a little bit of interstitial stuff of, like, getting to the Colosseum and... Oh, uh, right, they got to go all the way to Rome now. Yeah, yeah this is the whole trek to Rome. Yep. Yeah, so that's going to be it. They're going to get an email from a very special person. Oh, very special boy. Oh, shit, bitch. Yep, so that's... <laughs> this whole... These three chapters, Pronto and the Line 1 and 2 and the Colosseum in Roma, that might be half an episode, that might be all of one... And then we'll probably at least see Green Day and Oasis. I yeah, and we'll get, we'll get two episodes out of that. Hopefully only two episodes. We'll see. All right. Well, here. They did clash in Talking Head in two episodes. That's true. Thankfully. Thank God they did that. So That was um, seven, wh- seven chapters. Green Day and Oasis is 14. <laughs> oh, no. No, but... I'm going to believe in them. I'm going to yeah. put all my faith I, in that Green Day the way this will be a two-parter. Yeah, yeah. to make the uh, um, pacing of that great. It's, they, yeah, they've shown because they can do it. Green Day and Oasis doesn't have to suck. It's mostly oh. the pacing's fault. Yeah. There really ain't nothing wrong with it as a, as a story. It just to go, takes way too fucking long. I think part and, of that is like the, having to be a week-to-week thing. Like, yeah. if it was monthly, I think you would have had that done in like four or five well-paced chapters. Yeah, and even then it would have been too long. <laughs> Four months for Green Day and Oasis, but I don't know. I mean, how long was Blue Hawaii? <laughs> I think it was like four or five. It might have oh, been three. Oh, God. Um, Fuck Dejolian. <laughs> oh, Dejolian. A couple oh, weeks, Dijolian. new chapter. It'll be good. Uh, yeah. Um, but I can't, think can't wait to Can't wait to find out the head doctor is a big red herring. Can't wait to, can't wait to get that. Can't wait to see that the um, the head doctor is Silver Chair Requiem. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. It, all, right, all right, all right, Jack. Like, get a, get us out of this. Get get a, get us uh, get us back down to earth. Yeah. If you still like listening to us after this, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Um, our home base is SoundCloud, where all of our episodes are organized into playlists. You can just like hit a button and listen to each different part as you want. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at JoJo underscore cast. Yell at us on there. Um, I, right. Uh, I post episodes, links to the episodes every week in the re- subreddit r slash Stardust Crusaders. We're everywhere on the internet. You just gotta look. You just gotta look. You just gotta look. Next Thank week... You next yeah real quick next week we'll return to our regularly scheduled programming of parts right six. yes yes we will we will get back to you Ma. we will we'll finish i promise up. we'll finish up I that promise. weird artichoke man <laughs> but but yeah guys thank you for joining us for a very special episode of, a very very self-indulgent episode of what a beautiful podcast which is not to say that every episode of this show is self-indulgent because <laughs> it absolutely is so in which case, if you've been listening up to this point, then you probably stuck around for this episode too. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank we'll you, see everyone. you next week. Catch you later.